Hello, and welcome to A Murderous Affair, the podcast where we talk about women in history known for mayhem and murder. My name is Gabrielle, and today we are journeying to Madagascar in the early 1800s at a time when the country was being increasingly fought over by France and Britain. Our woman of the week is Queen Ranavalona. Now, I know ahead of time that my pronunciation is probably not the best, and I will do my best to pronounce these as correctly as I can, given that I had to look up some phonetic translations for it, but I just want to apologize ahead of time because I know I'm definitely going to say some things wrong, so just wanted to get that out there. Now, this story is one that I've wanted to talk about for a while, but I just haven't had the time to actually go and sit down and put all the information together. From what I've been able to tell, her story is one that's hard to find the truth on because it's been so exaggerated and twisted by history, and it wasn't until the 1970s that people actually started finding more accurate historical accounts. My favorite source is Rejected Prince Princesses, and I just love to go and scroll through and find ideas for the podcast on that website. They said it best in the headline on their article about her, which was, quote, her story according to white people. Our other sources for this episode were Wikipedia, of course, and the related articles that you can find on her Wikipedia entry. Rana Valona was actually born... Oh boy. Rabato Andriana Ampoinimera. No, one more time. Rabato Andriana Ampoinimerina. And she was also known as Romavo. So it's estimated that she was born around 1778 and ruled the kingdom of Madagascar from 1828 to 1861. She ended up becoming queen when her husband, Radama, died at the age of 36. According to custom, his sister's oldest son should have been the one to inherit his kingdom. But Radama's nephew was apparently known as a hothead, and he had made some inflammatory comments to the rivals of the deceased king, who had also had a reasonable claim to the throne. And this I just see as proof as history basically being a soap opera. Like, I would watch the hell out of a TV show that had this plot line and how they all schemed and backstabbed one another. And not just, like, the European royal court, because there's a million TV shows out there that talk, that takes place in, like, London. I want some more stories on the royal courts in different countries, you know? But now continuing, the fact was that this nephew now had a possible reason to fear losing his place in line for the throne due to the comments he had made. And he decided, along with another advisor, to keep Radama's death a secret for a few days, which absolutely pissed off some other people in the royal court and family, including Rana Valona. Now, some accounts say that Rana Valona basically gathered a group that supported her and seized power, and people only found out about the death of their king when she began sitting on the throne. Other sources say that Rana Valona was already a favorite among those who worked with the king, especially the high-ranking military officers. Three of those officers hid Rana Valona and one of her friends in a safe place while they gathered others' support, and they were the ones who rallied an army in favor of her. It was only then that she declared herself the rightful successor to the throne, saying that her husband had decreed it so before his death, and she ultimately rose to power on August 11th, 1828. It was then that she also took the name Rana Valona, which means folded and kept aside. And what's interesting is that there are two sides to what happened next in her story. On one side, Rana Valona mercilessly killed all those who had disagreed with her rise to power, including members of her dead husband's family and the nephew who was in line to be the, quote, true heir. According to the other side, it was, in fact, a custom that royals followed to kill the family members in line to the throne when they took succession. So her late husband has a had actually killed the previous family members in line to the throne when he took succession, and it was expected that she was to do the same. So either way, yes, it was most 
was definitely brutal and people were killed, but one way paints Rana Valona as this heartless monster who chose to do that of her own volition, and the other paints a rather dark and disturbing tradition that just happened to be followed in that time period. Rana Valona was officially coronated on June 12, 1829. She was also the first female sovereign in the kingdom since its original founding in 1540. Some of her first actions were to distance Madagascar from European influence, which was a complete 180 from the actions her husband had taken. She didn't like the European influence that was beginning to increase in her kingdom, so she not only ended a friendship treaty with Britain, but she restricted the activities that the missionaries of the London Missionary Society were allowed to do. This society had opened schools and provided basic education and trade skills, but also taught the Christian religion. In this, she would eventually make practicing Christianity illegal, and a year after that, almost every foreigner would have left her country. For now, she still said that the missionary society could stay, but that they were not allowed to teach the Christian religion and instead were supposed to open schools and provide basic education and trade skills. Now, instead of foreign trade, Rana Valona began using something called fan ompoana, which was forced labor to pay off specific items instead of taxed money or products, which to me just kind of sounds like a fancy word for slavery, but I'm not an expert. One of the ways to serve this fan ompoana was to enlist in the army, which many chose to do, and she ended up with 20 to 30,000 soldiers at her beck and call. Now, due to the high death rate among these Phantom Poana workers slash slaves, as well as engaging in constant wars to extend her rule throughout the entire island, and the extremely strict rules of justice that she implemented, it's estimated that the total population of Madagascar decreased by half under her rule, from 5 million to 2.5 million people between 1833 and 1839. Now, apparently Rana Valona had many different forms of execution that she used to maintain order throughout her realm, but allegedly this included drowning, strangling, stoning, crucifixion, burning on a pyre, tossing you from a ceremonial cliff, being tossed from said ceremonial cliff, only to be caught by ropes and then have the ropes cut and you do indeed fall to your death, chaining you to four other people and having the guards refuse to give you any food or water and then having to wait it out as everyone else died around you and you had to drag their corpses around. And this was only a few of the methods listed. So obviously you would take this list with a grain of salt. I'm sure that there are definitely methods in which she executed or had people executed that were listed above, but this next one has actually been verified multiple times. And it's probably one of the more interesting tales out there about Rana Valona's execution methods. This was trial by the ordeal of Tangina. Now, Tangina was a type of shrub that grew naturally in Madagascar, and it had these types of nut-like seeds that were filled with poison. Basically, these seeds were gathered, and then they were force-fed to those who were accused of committing crimes, along with three pieces of chicken skin. Blech. If all three pieces were thrown up, then the person was declared innocent. But if they died or they weren't able to throw up all three pieces, it was a sign of guilt. Obviously, this was absolute BS by today's standards, but back then it was considered to be some kind of celestial ruling as to whether someone was innocent or guilty. Unfortunately, any time that people were accused of committing various crimes, whether it was Christianity, theft, witchcraft, whatever, trial by Tangina was mandatory. So this obviously led to a lot more innocent death and an overall higher death rate under Rana Valona's rule. Not to say that it was all bad. 
Obviously, it was bad, but there were a few things that Rana Valona encouraged that actually helped the country. For example, she encouraged the introduction of new technology and created what was maybe one of the first industrialized economy, as well as made sure to create a way to improve and professionalize the army. See, while the late king had begun to reach out to European allies, Rana Valona was of the opinion that Madagascar and herself were better off without them. In fact, she was actually reported to have a rather liberal stance and views for the time period, which made some of the advisors in her court, as well as the Europeans who wanted an allyship, rather nervous. When she did eventually make Christianity illegal, it was mostly seemingly to stem the influence of Western ideas into her country. She is quoted in a statement on February 26, 1835 as saying, To the English or French strangers, I thank you for the good that you have done in my land and my kingdom, where you have made known European wisdom and knowledge. Do not worry yourselves. I will not change the customs and rights of our ancestors. Nevertheless, whoever breaks the laws of my kingdom will be put to death, whoever he may be. I welcome all wisdom and all knowledge which are good for this country. It is forbidden for my people who inhabit this land to take part, whether on Sunday or during the week. Concerning you foreigners, you can practice according to your own manners and customs. Nevertheless, if skilled handiwork and other practical skills exist, which can profit our people, exercise these skills that good will come. These are my instructions which I make known to you. Basically, she made it illegal for people who were born in Madagascar or who were like official citizens of Madagascar to practice Christianity. But she found a loophole in where if you were a European person who practiced Christianity, who happened to live in Madagascar, you were allowed to be Christian, but you just couldn't work on converting those around you, otherwise they would be put to death. And as you can imagine, the European countries fighting to increase the influence they had on this island, which was mostly France and Britain, were not happy with her statement. And she would follow through, punishing those who disobeyed her new laws with fines and supposedly one of the many ways of executing those found guilty that we've listed before. And then, enter Jean Laborde, a Frenchman who was shipwrecked off Madagascar around 1832. Turns out he was actually pretty skilled in producing cannons, muskets, gunpowder, and basically all kinds of weapons of war. Which was good for him in terms of the fact that the queen had a use for him, but it's pretty clear that he definitely didn't have a say in the matter. And with his help, Rana Valona was able to modernize her army up to par with any weaponry that Europeans were using at that time. In fact, she not only compensated Laborde, but gave him a workspace and workers to do exactly that. So, after her formal statement forbidding the Christian practice or forbidding Westerners to kind of influence and use their ideals to influence the people of Madagascar, France and Britain got pissed. They attempted multiple invasions only to fall short when encountering her defenses. According to some stories, she'd later decorate her fortresses with the decapitated heads of invaders on spikes. There were, in fact, multiple attempted coup d'etats that she still managed to hold onto her throne through. She eventually died at the age of 83 in her sleep leaving her son as the royal successor. The official mourning period lasted nine months, and during her funeral, a spark accidentally caused a barrel of gunpowder that was to be used in the ceremony later that day to explode, and a fire started that killed bystanders there. Which, what a way to go out at that point. Like, not only died peacefully in your sleep, but at your funeral, somehow, 
there ends up being an explosion and a fire, and even more people die. But her legacy doesn't end with her death. When her son, King Radama II, reversed many of her policies, an epidemic of, quote, spirit possession followed. Most notably, this happened after Radama publicly converted to Christianity, and this spiritual possession was considered to be an action of the outraged spirit of Ranavalona. Overall, it seems clear that Ranavalona's reign pissed off a lot of people most notably the Europeans who wanted to take advantage of Madagascar's location for sea trade and other benefits. While she probably shouldn't be heralded as a good ruler per se, I definitely think that the truth lies in the more recent accounts where she's depicted not as a good leader, but as a leader who was definitely trying to keep the culture and heritage of her country at the forefront, as well as make sure that they could stand independently from the so-called European allies that wanted to control their, her country. Although having half your population die is definitely not something that you ever want to be known for. She did, in fact, manage to industrialize and bring new technological and weaponry advancements to the Mas Madagascar people, and was the one of the last rulers before the French essentially took over Madagascar and made it one of their colonies. Overall, I find that the history of Rana Valona was really interesting to read, and I'm really glad I got an opportunity to finally cover this woman whose stories have been so one-dimensional when coming when talking about her empire. I would definitely love to know what you thought of this episode. If you have any thoughts, comments, arguments, any more information about Rana Valona and her life, feel free to reach out to me at Frumius Reads, F-R-U-M-I-O-U-S-R-E-A-D-S. I am on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, Instagram, basically all social media. You can now follow us on Facebook at A Murderous Affair. We have an official page now where I will be posting episodes as well as cool updates and all information for the podcast. Make sure you follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, Podbean, Podbreed, Libsyn, anywhere that you listen to podcasts to stay updated to when we post a new episode. But that's all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening and stay spooky, friends. I'll talk to you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>